Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Bad at Math, Good with Money. I am your neighborhood-friendly financial social work educator, Dr. Tamara Dias. Super excited to be back with you, as always, for another episode. As we head into the second half of our first season, I am going to be featuring more guests, more conversations, and I'm really excited because you'll be hearing from subject matter experts, not only on money-related topics, but just their personal journeys and experiences with money. And so today, of course, we have a guest for you, someone who specializes really in debt management and debt reduction. Um, He works with clients one-on-one, he works in the community, and I think you'll get a lot of helpful information and tips from him. Um, And really hoping that today you'll leave with some practical advice that you can apply to your own debt management journey in your life. Um, And so our guest today is the wonderful, amazing Tashawn Dennis. Um, Tashawn is currently an insurance broker for a large firm. So already he's official, already (laughs) amazing title. Um, But he also works independently on the side as a finance coach for individuals and families. Um, He's involved in the community. He volunteers with several organizations, specifically as he teaches a money matters program for kids. Um, He shares financial concepts that they might not be exposed to by their schools, families, or communities. And on previous episodes, if you've watched, uh, my producer, Zach, will kind of chime in every now and then. And I know on a previous episode, Zach has said, you know, a lot of the things we talk about are not things that people share in school. They're things that we look back and we wish somebody had taught us, you know, I've never needed to know the Pythagorean theorem um, as an adult, but I have needed to know how to calculate percentages to pay my bills. So very excited to hopefully give you some things today that even in your own journey, if you're like, I wish I had known this sooner, you'll get that. Um, so without further ado, please welcome our amazing guest to the show. Welcome, Sean. Hey, how y'all doing? <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm excited you're here, as I already said Um I know that when we first talked, one of the things that I locked into my brain and I was really excited to know was that you're passionate, not just about seeing people um, get financially well, which is a mission that I resonate with. It's the mission of this podcast, but also seeing them free from debt, um, from the burden of debt and from carrying that. And so I'm excited to talk to you about that today. Um, So to to kick us off. Um, I want to know about you. Share a little bit with us about your journey into the world of finances. Were you a mathematician as a five-year-old and, you know, it was just always destined for you to kind of work in this industry? Tell us a little bit about how you ended up here. Yeah. So thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, I started off very young, good at math, bad with money. Um, so the very opposite. Uh, yeah. I, I'd always had that hustler spirit. So I started working when I was 15 on a work permit, bagging groceries at Kroger. So I knew the value of a dollar and having a dollar uh, for myself and, and probably had my first phone bill, I think at 17, because okay. I was running up my dad's text message bill. At that time, you had to pay for text messages. <laughs> um, but what really you know, got me interested in, in finances was student loans. You know, I went to college. I couldn't afford. I didn't have scholarships. I couldn't afford to pay for college out of state, let alone in state. And, you know, after you get out of college, you realize, oh, this is real. I really got to pay this back. This wasn't just a temporary four to six year experience or, or whatever that may be. So that was my introduction into it. You get or you get that first credit card, too. I maxed that mm-hmm. out as well. So, you know, I, I took on the the many burdens that we all do and, and realized by error that this was not the what I signed up for. 
Wow. Okay. So I want to kind of point out some things that I'm already hearing because I know a lot of people will reach out to me or they'll watch the podcast or they'll follow me on social media. You said some things that I hope will make people feel a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more at ease, because even though you now work in the finance space, you shared some common decisions that we all make kind of before we get financially aware, or even maybe when we are financially aware, we just don't necessarily know the impact of what those decisions will be. So student loans, um, if you're a millennial, you are likely dealing with student loans right now, paying them back, feeling like I would buy a house or I would do all of these things if I didn't have student loans. So if that's you, you know, you're not alone. The second one you mentioned was you you had a job early on. So you knew how to earn money, maybe not how to maximize it or use it in the in the best way possible or how to take it and invest it. But you knew, okay, if I go to work, I make money, like simple concepts. So if you're watching this and you're thinking, okay, I've worked for a really long time. I've had a job since I was a teenager, kind of had been thrown into this role of paying bills early on. You're not alone. And then the third thing, that credit card. Um, if you are someone who as a college student or a young adult, or maybe even later in your journey, immediately got that first credit card or that first line of credit and maxed it out. I know a lot of people that I, that I have conversations with feel like if I could have just gone back and not taken out that credit card or somebody would have just told me just because they approve you for $2,000 doesn't mean you should go spend $2,000. A lot of people get into that space. So if you identify with any of those, then hopefully you'll feel like, okay, today's episode is going to be for me. I can listen in because they've already said something that relates to my experience or where I've been. So thank you for um, opening us up with that and, and sharing that that experience and that background. Um, I know you mentioned you worked early on and you kind of had that hustle mentality. Um, but do you think early on you knew kind of like the value of work and how it translated to money or were you just kind of associating the, I work and I get paid and that's it. Like what was your view on, I guess, money at that time? Yeah, at that time it was having money was going to be the key to success. So my focus was get as much money as you can, basically put yeah. the time in and then the hours would translate into dollars. And then that should lead to success at some point, which that theory uh, would sort of lived. So. Like it is for many of us. Uh, right. <laughs> right. We think like, oh, I just got to go to work and that's it. If I go to work, mm -hmm. get money, all of the rest of life will fall into alignment, which we quickly learn um, is not the case. So <laughs> definitely not alone on that. Um, so what inspired you? to want to help people become debt-free because, you know, context for the listeners, when uh, we first connected, uh, literally within like the first couple minutes, he was like, I want to see people be debt-free. Like that was like one of the things that he told me when we first met. And I kind of noticed immediately that he had this passion for, under, for really saying that I don't want people to have to carry the weight anymore of dealing with debt, of being kind of shackled to um, these debt payments. So I'm curious for you as someone who worked early on, knew the concept of paying bills, then, you know, you had student loans and things like that. What for you made you say, okay, debt freedom might even be important to me, but why, why are you so passionate now about helping other people get out of debt? Yeah. I, I thank you for asking that because it's, it's confusing when you come into money uh, without the education, you're trying to figure it out. Yeah. And so you've earned money, you're paying what you, what you now know as needs and bills, um, and you have student loans or credit cards or other things that you have to pay on, but 
that comes with burden. It comes with stress and weight. And you feel like as soon as I get my check, I know my money's out the door. Right. And so in asking those questions to myself and taking a deep dive to go, okay, who am I? What do I really want? I realized that, you know, money should be used a little bit differently. And so I started to pay those things off myself and that weight started to be released. And I realized, you know, I'm walking a little bit more free in some of the things that people are, are challenged with or that they're feeling, I don't, I don't relate to anymore because I have that freedom. And so I want to be able to extend that freedom to others just through the information and, and to help them organize, you know, how do I get to that point in order to reach fulfillment? Yeah. And I love how you talked about that freedom to be able to kind of make decisions with your money and put your money in other places. So of course, when you're paying down debt, or if you have a ton of debt, a lot of times your check or your income is spent before you even get it. Cause you know, I got to pay Visa, MasterCard, Amex, whoever the car dealership, you know, I'm paying all these people. So really a lot of times the more debt you have, the less freedom you have to spend your money in other areas to do, to do other things. And so for you, um, but we all know that like, even to get to that place, it sometimes requires that mental shift. I talk about mindset a lot um, mm -hmm. because you could have easily just said, you know, okay, I have debt. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. That's going to be my life. You know, I'll, mm -hmm. I'm always going to have to pay things back. I'm making it work. I'm, mm -hmm. it, you know, I pay my bills. I have a little bit left over to kind of hang out with friends or do whatever at the end of the month. I'm cool here. Will you, can you think of a moment or was there anything for you that kind of even pushed you to say there is more possible or I want more? Like, cause maybe you were doing just fine in terms of making it day to day, but sometimes it takes a little something to even say, like if I owe $20,000 in credit card debt, that's not necessarily something that I can pay off tomorrow or next week. Mm -hmm. So what for you made it made you say, OK, this is this is what I see possible for me or I see myself not having to carry this debt and I see myself being able to do it and to and to work a plan and pay it off. Yeah, uh, I think I think there's a big idea. I, I, COVID, you know, really slowed me down to better understand who I was. Mm. But prior to that. When I'd work at employers, I wasn't understanding how I was making similar money to other people, but they'd move a little differently. Mm. And so in my head, I'm like, I'm, I'm not I'm not quite sure what they're doing. I don't have this background or I didn't, my family didn't know either. So what do we do? And so you read books and, and I started to do research and I started to realize these people keep calling me for this money. And if I keep ignoring them, <laughs> yeah. that ain't yeah, I keep moving the mail. That ain't stopping it. So eventually, I would I would do a payment arrangement. They call a little less. I pay it off. They stop calling completely, but there's no celebration. And I'm like, okay, well, that was nice, but what's the celebration? Right. You start to realize that freedom was the key. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, I love that you even in that talked about family because uh on a previous episode i talk about community and surrounding yourself with people and i just mm -hmm. want to say i have met so many people that feel like i grew up in a house where talking about money was not the norm or mm -hmm. i grew up in a house where i would ask my parents for financial advice 
and they didn't really have any to give me. Um, mm -hmm. Or I grew up in a space where debt was normal in my house and people just always told me, you'll always have a car payment. You'll always have credit cards, you know, do, oh, you want to go somewhere? Just charge it. Everybody puts it on a card. Like that is mm -hmm. a normal thing. And so I also want to invite you that if you are listening and you're thinking, I come from a family where maybe money management and solid financial education is not a normal practice, then also take that as an invitation to, to ask the questions and to do the work on your own. So I love that you said, even as you looked around, you noticed something was off and then you asked people and they were like, well, no, we can't, can't really yeah. help you. So then you had to take that initiative on your own to say, I'm going to figure out what the answer is here. And I'm going to figure out how to close that gap between where I'm seeing other people go and where I am presently. Cause y'all yeah. sometimes you might, you just might not have the people around you in your family or in your community, or they might not have the education to give you. And we got to take initiative to mm -hmm. go out there and learn what it is we want to learn and do the work. Um, it's not going to always be there for you. And we cannot use the lack of immediate knowledge as an excuse because it is possible to get out there and to to, to ask people um, that are qualified, whether it's myself, whether it's someone like Tashawn, whoever, to be able to get you the education that you need. Yeah. Um, thank you for that. Okay, so now debt. Mm. Someone um, says, cool, this was great. I'm inspired. I'm ready to pay down debt. I have $50,000 in student loans. I have $20,000 in credit cards and I owe $15,000 on my car. Um, mm -hmm. give me the master plan for <laughs> how I end up where you are. I want to experience that same freedom. What strategies do I need to do to tackle what may look like at a glance, an impossible amount of debt? You know, if you're looking at multiple categories, somebody could be looking at 70,000, $100,000. And to them may seem like I'm never going to pay that off. That's virtually impossible for me to ever pay off that amount of mm -hmm. money, that amount of money. Um, but you say you're the expert. So <laughs> what do I do? What What are the practices that I can implement into, into tackling this debt? Absolutely. So one thing I would say is that debt is just a component of different money concepts. Mm -hmm. And so, but, but debt is one of the most alarming, right? So first thing we have to do is organize the debt. We have to, you know, stop shoveling the mail and the, the emails to the junk folder yeah. and say, okay, what are all of our debts? Can we organize them from most to least? And what are the interest rates tied to those debts? And then from that point, we can, in its simplest form, there's the debt snowball debt avalanche methods. Now there's, there's other complex methods and tools that can be used, which you'd want to work with some type of advisor professional in the industry to, to, to implement those. But the snowball method is, is a very good uh, basic and foundational plan that you can use to tackle debt. So what you do is you organize your debts from most to least, you tackle the lowest amount and you get that, that win, that emotional win over overcoming that debt. And then you roll over the amount that you were paying towards that debt into the next debt. And so that ends up getting bigger and bigger and you end up taking off, uh, paying off your debt a lot faster than you would 10 20 30 years it becomes more uh, achievable uh, but that 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 would be something that someone could do practically on their own um through maybe a plan or a blueprint or a youtube or something so y'all we got to stop ignoring the mail um, <laughs> it is I, I always say to do any goal, to tackle any goal that you're trying to get to, it always starts with awareness. And I get it. 
is scary, especially if you owe multiple people um, and you think if I just ignore them, they will go away. They will not go away. They will just find new ways to contact you, I promise. Um, and the longer you avoid it, the worse it gets because a lot of times it's still collecting interest. Um, so year to year, the more you avoid it does not mean that it'll just disappear. It's, they're still going to not only want their initial amount, but they may want something on top of that. And so I always think it's important. Um, and I also want to say with this, with that, with the snowball method too, give yourself space if you kind of need to spread this out. Cause I also know it can be overwhelming to kind of sit down and say, cool, I'm gonna wake up Saturday morning. I'm gonna pull out everything I owe, put it in a fancy spreadsheet, create a plan. Like that can be a lot at once. So yeah. maybe you break it up into steps. And your first step is I'm gonna finally get all the mail together. I'm gonna mm-hmm. check my email, get all of my mail together, organize everything just so I can get clear on what I owe. And maybe that's really where you start before you even jump into the organization piece. Um, break it down, give yourself a little bit of time. Um, and then once you have a clear picture of what you owe and where you are, then um, as it was shared, you can start that snowball method. And I love the snowball recommendation as well. Um, the avalanche method that you mentioned uh, requires some of the same organization, but avalanche involves ranking it based on interest rate. Um, Mm -hmm. But I typically prefer the snowball for the very reason you said, which links to what you mentioned earlier, which is you get that quick kind of emotional win um, Mm -hmm. and motivation that you need to keep going. Because as you shared, you know, when you paid off that bill, you realize like there was no party at the end. The debt collector did not call you and go, oh my gosh, we just want to send you a gift for paying off this, this bill. We are so thankful for you. You are amazing. Nobody sends you that. And so I have found that even when you do the snowball method, it gives you that like intrinsic motivation and that Mm -hmm. win for you of, oh, wait, I'm getting somewhere. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, as you mentioned, you just keep rolling that money over and then putting it towards uh, your existing debt. I also love the snowball because I think it's also helpful um, in the event that you don't have to like find new money. Mm -hmm. Um, You can. You know, a lot of people I've seen in my experience, and maybe you have too, will go get a side job or will go get a part-time job because once you start seeing success, you want to get more momentum and go faster so you can. But what I love about the snowball method is kind of once you've set up your minimum payments, as you're paying things off, you don't have to go out and find more money. It is literally working within your existing budget and you're just rolling over the same amount over and over again until you pay that debt down. So if you're someone who says, I can't go work three side jobs. You know, I got a lot going on. I also think the snowball method could be really helpful um, for you to start kind of where you are. Yeah, when we sit down with other families, sometimes we, we find out that, you know, this you do make enough. There's just certain dollars that, are, that aren't working efficiently. Yeah. How can we take these inefficient dollars and put them to work uh, for your plan and your long-term fulfillment? And I also think... That within the snowball method, what I also love is that as you're kind of tackling that debt and you're seeing those bills kind of go away um, and and disappear as you're paying them off. I also love that kind of once you finish that snowball, then you're able to look at all the money at the end and realize, wait, I was putting how much money aside every month, especially if you're someone right now that's kind of just making those minimum payments. So you're not even, you know, seeing a decrease in your bills because you're just making bare minimum and then using the card again, making the minimum payment, using the card again. What I have found is that 
once you do that snowball, it really makes you more aware of where the pockets of money are and where your money is going. And for me personally, even in my own journey um, towards debt freedom, it made me a lot clearer on, wait, I could be doing a lot more with my money because if I can pay down debt using this method, then how much more freedom would I have if this debt didn't exist? I feel like it really does give you a picture of possibility of mm-hmm. what you can do with your money. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So not everybody is a fan of paying down debt. You <laughs> might you might get some people that are like, I actually just want to invest. I don't actually care about debt. I just mm-hmm. want to jump right into the stock market. I'm going to ignore this debt. And put all of my money into the stock market or put all of my money into cryptocurrency or do something else. So for you and the conversations you've had with families, um, with adults or even honestly, I'm sure even in your work in the insurance space, you probably Mm -hmm. are talking to people about their financial picture in general and getting a lot of insight about their thoughts around money management. So for you, what have been some of the common misconceptions Um, about debt that could block somebody from becoming debt-free or paying it off? Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I run into that very often. And money is a case-by-case thing. Your financial plan is case-by-case. I couldn't come up here and tell you eight things to do and everyone do it and everyone be successful. What I will say is that all debt is not bad debt. And so there's certain debts that you can leverage in order to uh, by assets that will appreciate in value, i.e. a home, maybe a business, um, and other things. There are other uh, ways to use debt for consumer goods and consumer needs that may be for things that do depreciate in value. And it's a debatable topic, but cars are a depreciating value, yeah. a depreciating asset. Um, in most cases, people tap their credit cards in order to maybe buy groceries, travel, and do certain things. And, and credit cards are another um tool that get it's a tool that gets mishandled um because if you use credit cards the right way there are great protection features great profit features and and other things but in most cases most people just find that it's a um it, it it robs them of some of the funds that they thought they would have because they're not aware of how they're using it and how it's hurting their finances yeah i always say that you have a handful of people that are able to use credit cards, like in the grand scheme of everybody who has a credit card, you got a small percentage of people who are using credit cards in the best way possible. And in my personal opinion, the best way to use it is if you have it, you're using it and you're paying it off in full before the, mm-hmm. before the billing cycle ends. Um, and you're able to maximize it, whether it's for travel points. I know I have friends who use it just for travel. And so um, they may put something on their credit card that they already have cash for. Um, so they mm-hmm. budget for it. They have cash for it. They swipe the card so they can get the 200, 300 points or whatever, and then they pay it off in full. So they are not being charged interest. But what we all know is that the banks and the companies are not making money off of the people that are paying it off in full. They're making money off of those of us who swipe and maybe make the minimum payment or who carry a balance month to month. And they are banking on the fact that when they give you a $5,000, $10,000, $15,000 limit, that you are going to use it, you are going to carry a balance, and they will be able to charge you interest month to month, year to year, and collect on that. Um, and so I, you know, I, I definitely think that, Credit can be credit cards can be used as a great money tool. Obviously, I'm a fan of home ownership um, mm-hmm. because I I think once you buy a home and you're able to build value and you know 
add to your portfolio in that way, highly recommend it. But also any tool in the wrong hands can be Mm -hmm. misused and mishandled. And so I think all of it really does start with getting to the clear foundation of knowing how to use some of these tools and use them well before just kind of jumping in. Yeah. If if I I had a conversation with someone who, you know, they were adamant about getting the points uh, from using their credit card. And I, and I supported that. The problem was that they still had a a rolling, a balance that would roll over and the interest rate was 20%. And so I said, let's make the math really easy. You're getting, your rewards are probably generating 1% for you every year. I mean, not every year, excuse me, every month. Your interest rate is charging you 20%. I think we both see the math on that, on what's more important to take, to, to eliminate so that we can see the profit. That's my kind of math. See, that's easy math right there. <laughs> Very easy. You're right. only getting 1% back and they're charging you 20%. Very simple. Right. You already know that even if they give you $5 in travel rewards, they just charged you way more than that mm. in interest. So they, they're they happy to give you $5 if they know they're going to get triple that mm-hmm. at the end of the month off of interest. So I love that you eat that very simple, just like we don't even need to sit down and get a spreadsheet. I'm just going to give you the fact 1%, mm-hmm. 20% is it, it's People not working. Start, <laughs> they start to realize that it's, it's, it's maybe a little less about the math though, because now their mm-hmm. mind goes, Oh, okay. I'm reducing what's costing me. And now I can get to the point where I'm actually making money off this tool. That That's pretty cool. Yes. Abs- yeah. Yeah. And that's, That, again, goes back to being able to use these tools in a way that maximizes your money and does more for your money. Um, You don't want to use them and then find out that, wait, not only is this not a good idea, but it's also taking money away from me and Mm -hmm. making me giving me less access. It's pulling you further away from freedom instead of pushing you closer to it. Mm -hmm. So great. All right. So. Somebody is following the snowball plan. They're like, oh my gosh, I listened to this episode. Thank you so much. It was great. I'm following the plan. It's been six months. We're in the summertime now. Everybody's outside. Vacations are happening. This snowball is not looking like a good thing anymore because I am ready to hit the happy hour. I'm ready to go to brunch. I'm ready to go to the beach. And this snowball method is ruining all the things that I want to do and all the things I want to spend money on. What do you say to someone who maybe is working towards this, working on the plan, following the method, but it is hard. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I don't, I don't know if I can stay on track because all these little shiny things are popping up that are calling my name that I kind of want to focus on. So what advice, what practical advice do you give to people that are having trouble kind of sticking with it long-term? Yeah. So uh, I, one thing that helps people is, creating a, a, a something visionary um, or making something that they can put on their fridge or put on their wall that shows, hey, in January, we did well. In February, we did well. In March, didn't go so well. Um, I asked them, do you pay your bills every month? Most people say yes. Do you get that money back? Most people say no. Well, what do you get out of that? What's the trade-off? So with the snowball method or any debt repayment method, trade-off is freedom. And mm-hmm. so you're paying this this line item now should not take up all of your expenses it should just be a percentage of your expenses that helps you regain freedom there should also be a percentage that goes towards your spending that you can spend freely on anything that you want and so the trade-off is not only are you getting freedom back but you also have freedom to still spend and so we're then managing this 
feeling and, and theory of, oh, you know what? I'm moving in the right direction and I can see it from my vision plan as well. Mapping out the visual, putting it somewhere where you can see it, but then also going back to budgeting, right? Like looking at your full plan and making Mm -hmm. sure that you're allocating that money monthly and giving yourself a limit um, to say, I'm going to set aside this money over here for my debt snowball. And then I'm going to set aside this money over here for hanging out with friends, going out to eat, whatever comes up, but for fun. Um, And again, it goes back to telling your money where to go, how to make your money work for you, instead Mm -hmm. of what a lot of people have gone through and what I've gone through, your money is telling you what to do. You're just swiping and spending. And at the end of the month, wondering, wait, where did all my money go? I'm not sure. Um, And I find that when you make a conscious effort to pay down your debt and work towards getting rid of, you know, loans, bills, things like that, it does make you more aware overall of where all of your money is going. So I also think an added benefit too is if you get really serious about paying down your debt, I guarantee that I'm willing to guarantee that it'll also make you way more conscious in the other areas of your spending and where your money is going. Because then you'll start to realize just how much you are using DoorDash and Uber Eats, just how often you are going to the store without a list and buying whatever you want or whatever you see, just how often you're, you know, you pack lunch for the day and then you don't want it. So you just go out to eat and get something else. Like you'll start to notice that a lot more once you get more focused with assigning your money to specific categories. So, you know, you can, what I'm hearing is you can pay off debt. It doesn't mean that you have to lock yourself in the house and never leave. um, But you are specifically telling your money where to go and what part of it is going to pay down debt versus be free for spending. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it's, it's also incredibly hard to go 12 months or two years, three years without saying, okay, this month I'm going to have some relief and I'm going to do something different. Just like working out, you, yeah. there's going to be a cheat day, right? So you got to have a, maybe a month, maybe a couple of weeks where, you know what, we're traveling that month. And this is this month we're actually not paying on the snowball plan. And we factored that in ahead of time so that we can really spend $500, $1,000, whatever, towards something that's really joyous and then hop back on the plan after. So there, there has to be um, an opportunity to celebrate the wins, bask in the fruit of your labor, and then get back to, you know, what's been working for you. And what you also said too was planning ahead. So mm-hmm. we are not talking impulse spending. So we do not want you to listen to this episode and then go, I listened and y'all told me I could buy those concert tickets and I could buy the shoes. We told you to plan for them. So you're not just buying things as you see them. You are planning ahead and saying, you know, looking at this month, if I want to go on a vacation three, four, five, six months from now, then what does my budget need to look like today to make that happen and intentionally create space for that to happen? And it doesn't mean you do a hundred percent of everything that comes up, but you're picking a, you know, two to three times that are built in that are planned for you to have fun, for you to enjoy yourself. Um, But we want to make sure that we're not just impulsively responding to things Mm -hmm. that we see and we want to buy. So really key here that you are planning in advance for that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so as we start to wrap up, once somebody has paid off debt, so they have done it, they followed the snowball, they made it to the promised land at the end. Um, it is also not unusual to hear of people getting out of debt and then getting back into debt. So they mm-hmm. pay off 
$30,000 in credit cards and then they get it back. They they rack up another 15 or 20. What steps do you have um, to share so that people can pay off debt, but also stay out of debt once they get there? Yeah. So along that conversation, you know, if you have if you have somebody working with you, then it makes it a little bit easier. And I would say that if if you have a hard time doing it on your own, you should hire somebody. You'd hire a doctor to help you with your health. You'd hire a lawyer to help you with um, with troubles. You'd hire a banker for bank related things. But hire a finance person that fits for you and your family's um, circumstance and have them help keep you accountable. Outside of that, it goes back to what your long term vision is, which should have been the first conversation. Where are you trying to be five years from now, 10 years from now, a year from now, whatever? And does your is your money being used towards that vision and that goal? Because that's what's really important. Vision and being able to like, you know, as you mentioned, invest in that long term picture, um, because that is ultimately, I think, what keeps all of us going. You know, it's what when I was a college student, it's what kept me focused on graduation. I invested for four years of undergrad because I was able to see long term at the end. I'm going to get a degree out of this. And so I have to show up day after day, go to class, do well so that I can get that degree. And so to stay out of debt, you have to stay invested in that long term picture of what you want for yourself. And yes, I, of course, you know, I'm all for working with someone, a financial professional um, to, to keep you focused on that. I know several people that um, once they get debt free are then looking at what is the next step for me as you know, as I mentioned earlier, whether that's investing or whether that's building a portfolio or buying property, whatever that looks like, giving your again, giving your money jobs, assigning your money to places for you so that it is working for you. Um, we started off this episode talking about moving beyond just that mindset of I'm going to work and make money and that's it. But really understanding that money can be a tool for you. It can be a money. It can be an opportunity for you to really embrace freedom in many different areas. And so I think thinking about what freedom looks like for you long term and investing in that once you're debt free can definitely keep you focused for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I would echo everything you just said. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So to wrap us up, I always end every episode with a financial wellness tip. Um, and this tip is really focused on, it can either be on just a general practice for financial wellness or something, you know, because this episode was about debt management and kind of getting out of debt, embracing freedom. Um, so from you, what would be your financial wellness tip for our audience today? Well, since you asked, my financial wellness tip would be to understand money better. And and how would you understand money better? Is this way you you realize that money is not the end all be all. That's actually not the end goal. When you're younger, you start to realize money is more scarce than time. And so you're thinking, I just need to get money. But what would be dangerous is if you get older and money is still money is still scarce and time is scarce. So ugh, what do you do then, right? You got to identify what your long-term plan is and, and where you want to be and where you want to go. You use money to get you there and not let money use you because if money has dominion over you, it won't end. And so if you can use money to, to reach your goals and to help serve others as well, oh man, I mean, you need to write a book. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. Now I feel like we got to do a whole nother episode because you just opened up a door uh, with that. But I, yes, completely agree. And I think 
I talk, I, I shared at the very, very beginning, first episode of this podcast, that financial wellness is going to look different for everybody. For some people, it is debt freedom. For some people, it's multiple properties. For others, it's leaving a legacy for their children, for their family. It's it's building up the next generation and making sure that they have what they need. But at the end of the day, all it is, is a tool. Um, mm-hmm. And again, you know, you mentioned that if all the focus is on is money, more and more money, then you it will never end. And it will continue to tell you what to do and how to how you to, how you should live your life. Whereas we want you to be in the driver's seat. The goal is always for you to be able to make the decisions for the money, telling money where to go. Um, so you can just embrace financial wellness for yourself. So love that tip. Thank you. That was fantastic. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So you are the guru here. Um, if people want to contact you, get in touch with mm-hmm. you, um, how should they do that? What's the what's the best way? Right now, the best way to reach me is through Instagram. Okay. And you can find me at Tshawn Dennis. You can follow me, send me a message. We can have a conversation. Um, but really, it's having a one-on-one conversation or console and then figuring out, hey, am I the best person for you as a resource? And then let's put a plan together. And if not... I may, be, I may be able to point you in the right direction. Love it. Yes. Feel free to give him a follow. We'll make sure to put um, his information in the show notes so you can follow him and all of the amazing content that he shares there. We'll also link in the show notes for you our Bad at Math Good With Money merch. Our store is officially live. So feel free um, to check that out. Grab yourself a, a notebook so you can write down all your debt and start to make a plan for where you want to go or any of the other items that we have live in the store. Um, Tishan, I want to thank you again for taking time out to join us for this very impactful, very meaningful conversation that I am sure is going to help many, many people. So thank you for sharing with us today. It was great to have you. Absolutely. I, I had fun being here today and hopefully this helps someone out there kick off their journey or, or boost their journey to, to freedom. So. Awesome. And thank you all for tuning in again. Um, That's going to bring this episode to a close. But your homework, as always, is to like, share, subscribe, leave us some comments. If you found this episode to be impactful or relevant for you, share it with someone that you know. And stay tuned um, as we head into the second half of season one of the podcast. Thank you so much for joining and we'll see y'all back here next time. (laughs) 